0: you. Mm-hmm.
2: Welcome into the award-winning Rotowire Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Friday, March twenty fourth, twenty seventeen. DJ Trainer here, joined by Shannon McEwen, Finley McEwen, and Ken K Train Kreitz.
1: All aboard!
2: This podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Megaphone, and directly on the Rotowire website itself. Feel free to leave a nice review on one of those venues. You know, we'd love to have it. Special guest appearance on this podcast—the first of many, undoubtedly. Finley McEwen is with us. Round of applause, everybody! <laughs> Finley is Shannon's baby daughter, and she's probably going to give better advice than any of us has all season long.
0: <laughs> this
1: is true. Proof that Shannon has mated.
3: Yeah, <laughs> one one time. One time. <laughs>
2: Uh, So this is the first time that all three of us are in completely separate locations doing this podcast. So here we go. Let's do it. Top news of the day. Ken, let's uh, kick us off here.
1: Absolutely. A bit of a slow news day. I found it interesting the Mavs beat the Clippers in Dallas 97-95. Clippers still safe at number five. They're a game back of the Jazz. Terrible time for the Clippers to be playing poorly, right? I mean, they had Griffin, Jordan and Paul in this game. Is, Is that team in a bit of a spiral?
2: Spiral would be one word. Um, yeah, I think they're they're definitely, you know, not hot right now. And and the shame is, like you said, you know, they they decide, last week. Ken, we talked about how they were resting guys, uh, and they're not really a team that can afford that luxury because they're slipping in the standings. Now, I propose, and I'd love to hear Shannon's thoughts here that. The the Clippers would much so love to be a 6 or 7 seed than a 4 or 5 because that means they're going to avoid the Golden State Warriors altogether. And based on their play on the court, Shannon, I mean, it really does feel like they're completely all right with slipping down to the 6 or 7 seed.
3: And that's feasible. I mean, they're sitting 5 right now, a game and a half behind Utah. And then yeah. you've got Oklahoma City's only a game back of the Clippers. Memphis is only two and a half games back. I, I mean, the Clippers aren't going to fall out of the playoffs. They aren't. They're in danger of that, yeah. but they could. They could conceivably fall to the six or seven seed. I mean, I think. I think they want to stay at that five seed. You get that Utah matchup in, in the first round. That's the way I think they would prefer. Yeah. it. But, but I don't know. You guys tell me. I mean, is, is it? Do they? I think drop it's crazy. It
1: I think it's crazy for them not to go after the Jazz and try to get at least home court advantage. Assuming you're just going to get by the first round and, and you know finagling to get a better opponent for the second round seems a little nuts to me. They're not a good enough team to do that. They, they need to be playing well and get home field whenever they possibly can.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's entirely possible that I'm getting, giving them too much credit here, and I, and I think there's some mastermind plan behind all of this, when in reality maybe they're just piloting out of control, and this is the beginning of the end where the big three is no more after this season in Los Angeles. That certainly could be the case. Not a good loss in Dallas. Uh, Harrison Barnes had a nice strip of Blake Griffin Down the stretch, and JJ Redick almost won the game on a turnaround fadeaway three-pointer with 0.9 seconds left in the game. Um, You know they're obviously trying to win, but I think you know they'll be more than all right with fading into that six and seven seed and just avoiding the Golden State Warriors. Again, I will say though that you know they're not a team that uh, can get cute with things. They just need to go out there and win games because they're they're sliding very fast.
1: Yes. All right. Next news item: The Rooster Danilo Gallinari listed as questionable for tonight's game against the Pacers might be getting a look at what the Pacers look like next year when it's kind of assumed Galinari will take his player option and move on. Any thoughts on that Pacers and Nuggets game tonight?
3: It's a big, it's a big game. I mean Galinari from a, from a DFS standpoint, whether he's in or out is big news because you've got it impacts guys like Will Barton who's had a really mm-hmm. nice stretch recently, uh Gary Gary Harris, uh, Wilson Chandler of course. I mean, but the main guy is going to be Will Barton. If, if Gallinari sits out, Will Barton's probably going to get another 30-plus minutes, and he'll be good for 35, 40 fantasy points. We, we've seen him hit four, over 45 fantasy points twice in the past four games. He's He's been good for 30 or more in four of the five past games. So he's really good when Gallinari
1: sits. Now, uh, Shannon, D- FanDuel has both Barton and Harris as shooting guards. Probably a little more accurate for Harris than Barton, but uh, and there's a two hundred dollar difference. Barton six thousand five hundred, Harris six thousand three hundred. Of those two, do you like Barton or Harris?
3: I like Barton more. He's got he's got a higher ceiling, but I've seen I've seen people deploy both in their lineup. You, you have them both take up the shooting guard spot, and given the way they're both playing, it's not a bad bet. I mean, you're essentially getting seventy combined points over the past five games between the two.
1: All right, excellent point, DJ. Any more thought? I mean, Denver—they're still playing for something. Portland won last night. They are. Let's see. Denver's a game ahead of the Trailblazers, so they're 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 still clinging to that last spot. This is a big game, right?
2: Yeah. Later on, we're going to talk about how our DFS strategy has and should change over the rest of the season. And I think uh, you know you guys will agree with me that the number one determining factor for our DFS lineups is. Who as a team has a motivation to go out there and compete? And the Nuggets are gonna be one of those teams that we're just gonna use all their options as much as possible to the very end because they are fighting for that last spot in the West. And so, you know, they're gonna deploy their their best lineup as much as possible, and that cannot be said for other teams. So I, I've always loved Will Barton and I like him down the stretch. One thing I'll say is, you know, he's a sixth guy off the bench, so never be concerned that he's not in the starting lineup. He just comes off the bench and sees plenty of time and has the opportunity for more production. I would definitely go with Barton over Harris. Some nights they finish the same, but more often than not, Barton has a much higher ceiling than does Gary Harris.
1: All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, next, uh, uh, Whiteside with a 16-point, 14-rebound, 3-block. No, sorry, 3-assist, 2-blocks last night. It was a game-time decision heading into that game. Uh, so another great Whiteside game. I would say, looking back, full season here, gentlemen, do you think Whiteside has um you know met all the preseason hype that he had this past summer?
2: I w- I'll step in h- here Shannon and say yes, I think he's exceeded it for me. Uh 17 points, 4 rebounds, that's enough right there. We don't even need to look any further. Uh oh yeah, he's giving 14 me-
1: 14 rebounds, sorry. 14
2: rebounds, you, yeah, excuse me. Yeah. 17 points, 14 rebounds, adding two blocks per game.
1: 3 I mean, really, 2.7 two a game. Yeah.
2: 2.7. I think it's 2.1. Um depending on where we're... Oh,
1: looking. no, I'm reading... The, oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong column. You're right, 2.1. It's
2: 2.1. So maybe some people are disappointed after last year when he gave you 3.7, but still, two blocks per game is still going to put him into that upper echelon category. Although, Shannon, I will say, you know, are you somewhat disappointed from a blocks perspective where he went essentially from four down to two this season?
3: I am disappointed. Finley's, Finley's definitely angry. concerned. Finley is certainly <laughs> concerned. I, I am disappointed. I mean, the thing is, Whiteside, he on average for Yahoo leagues, he's the 27th most valuable player this year. That's solid production. But you essentially had to dra- draft him at the ba- at the end of the first round, early second round this year. His preseason rank was was somewhere between 12 and 15. So, I mean, for me, if you're picking some guy with the 12th pick, 15th pick, you wanted to live up to that potential. He was only. Third-round value, essentially. And, and he's still good. I mean, 16.8, 14.2, 2.1, that's great. That's good. But, like, the, the free-throw percentage is only 62%. You know, 56% field goal is good. I just – I wanted a little bit more from him. I think some people got hyped up and thought he might be a 20-point-per-game type of guy. But, I mean, essentially, he's, he's Andre Drummond with, with half – you know, an extra half block.
1: Yeah. I mean – it was a block and a half drop, really. 3.7 down to 2.1 per game, um, which I think they actually coached him to do, right? He was kind of going for the gaudy stats in his contract year. Uh, and his defensive metrics, even with the blocks, are pretty terrible. I, I, I think the 2.1 is what we're going to be looking at years forward. I'm sorry I screwed up that stat earlier. Um, but yeah, between the the blocks went from amazing to really good. I don't. You see, you, I don't know if he ever improves on that free throw percentage. Uh, does he drop to the third round, or is he still second round next year, guys?
2: I, I think he's still second round fodder, and you know things are going to change, and it, you know it, it's hard to say right now. But he's, you know, he's just that type of player where he's going to be taken in the second round. If you get him in the third round, I think that'll be an absolute steal. And I'm just trying to do quick mental math, and I, and I think he's definitely within the top. Uh, 30 28 players in the league in terms of fantasy
3: yeah i mean he's gonna be 28 next season i would argue he's a third round pick um i mean right this year you had to pick him like in, in a comparable range to demarcus cousins you much rather would have had demarcus cousins this season i just think there's gonna be some of these other younger big men like nurkic uh yokich and indeed, even though if you were healthy, which isn't going to be the case, there's going to be other younger big men that are going to be going in that same range. That I think that will also cause Whiteside to drop more to that third, maybe even early fourth round range.
2: Maybe for you, but I think for you know the other people in your league are still going to value him high. So while I think maybe we can agree he's a third round grade, we just might not end up with any shares of Whiteside next year.
1: Agree. All right. Uh, Let's go to our last point here. In addition to, like, half of the Phoenix Suns not playing against the Wizards, uh, for the Lakers, Brandon Ingram is questionable tonight against the T-Wolves with tendonitis in his left knee. I don't know why the Lakers would push Ingram to play. What are your thoughts on Ingram next year? And is he, like, the latest poster child why one and done is bad for the NBA?
2: (laughs) I, I the big concern, like you, you, guys know that I just don't dive into rookies, and for me, you know, I'm even cautious with sophomore players. And the main thing here is that Ingram is seeing almost 30 minutes per game, and he's only averaging nine points, four rebounds, two assists. That is a lot of minutes to be on the court and not seeing, and not seeing better averages. On top of that, not even shooting 40% from the field, not even shooting 62% from the line. He's just absolutely destroying your averages, and I don't think I'm going to sign myself up for that next season. That said, I think he's going to improve markedly. I think he's going to be much better next season, um, but still not quite to the point where I'm going to jump on the bandwagon.
1: And the, the field goal percentages in his defense have gotten better. Last twenty games, he's shooting forty eight percent plus from the field, but the free throws percentage is still terrible. I mean, no excuse for a small forward to be shooting fifty percent from the line. That's just that's over the last twenty. Now, uh, I,
3: I'm going to defend Ingram here. He he was he was known as a project. Like it wasn't expected that he was going to step in and have an immediate impact with the Lakers this season. He's shown improvements throughout the year. Over the past 30 days, he's averaging almost 14 points, four rebounds, two and a half assists. There's still upside in the three-point department. Only .8 three-pointers over these past 30 30 days, but there's upside there where he's going to get better. And same for the defensive end. I know his defensive stats haven't been that great, but his his physical skill set, his raw talents lend to a person who's going to be able to be productive in those categories as well. Um, so I think we're going to see increases across the board for him. The only concern for me is a free throw percentage. I mean, like like you said, 50%, under 50% is just unheard of for a player of his his caliber, um, his pedigree. So that that's really where I'm concerned. But I think we're going to see a quality player who takes steps year after year and three or four years from now. Maybe maybe he's not going to be a, a, a franchise type player, but I think he's still got a. He's a guy who's got all star potential. He's super young. We just got to be patient.
2: So to answer your second question, Ken, is one and done bad for the NBA? And I'll say, you know what? Not not so much. I don't, I'm not going to take a hard stance on this because let's look at Buddy Hield. I mean, the transition is just going to be tough from college to pro no matter how many years you spent in college uh it's taken buddy healed just just as long as ingram to kind of acclimate himself to the pace of the nba and, and we know that healed had what was it four years in college to get ready and prepare himself uh so is one and done bad for the nba no because you had guys like kobe bryant kevin garnett uh um, you know uh, lots of others come right out of high school, and you, you think that's even more unfathomable. So I'm not quite quite ready to make that stand. Uh, I think one and done is more so bad for college sports than it is for the NBA.
1: Mm, good point, good point. All right, gentlemen, well, that's the news. It's now time to thank our new podcast sponsor, which is Pristine Auction. That's pristineauction.com. They have a daily auction ending nightly with hundreds of lots. Tons of stuff for your fabulous man cave. Always something perfect for the fan of any team. And there's multiple reasons. Number one, authenticity. So important. They guarantee authenticity and all items come with authentic authentication from only the most trusted sources. Number two, it's affordable. Most people don't think they can afford this stuff, but it is much more affordable than you think. And then when mentioned, you know, uh, and in fact, I'm looking at the sweetest item here. Let me get back, back over there. The 1977 78 NBA championship, uh, picture of my Washington bullets signed by the whole squad, including hall of famer, Elvin Hayes, Wes Unsell, Phil Chenier. And I think it's listed at 20 bucks. I may pay more to frame that than to actually get the picture itself from pristine auction. So I readily agree on the prices. Um, uh, it's quick and free to register, free to bid, and you only pay when you win. Please make sure you if, if, when you do register, please make sure uh, you mention Rotowire, which is uh, an option in the drop down, and uh, let them know that you heard heard about them through our podcast. But again, that's pristine auction, P R I S T I N E auction. Auction dot com for all your man cave sports items. Thank you for joining the podcast, pristine auction.
2: I will be spending right, my whole entire weekend on that website, so that that my weekend's gone, uh, guys. You know this is the RotoWire fantasy basketball podcast. Uh, Nick and James do a great job of talking about college basketball, um, but why why can't we do it too? So uh, obviously everybody's brackets are broken. Um, I'm a Wisconsin alum. What do you think uh, are Wisconsin's chances of getting past Florida tonight and making it to the Final Four as a bipartisan observer?
1: Uh, I'm all in on Wisconsin, but I'm shamelessly a Big Ten fan. Okay. Uh, Big Ten prove themselves though. It's pretty good, pretty darn good attorney uh, for the Big Ten. But I'm all in Wisconsin.
2: Shannon, any thoughts on Wisconsin?
0: Or-
1: I think they they've got a tough matchup tonight. Uh, well, I would.
3: I'm not gonna. I, I think it's a coin flip with Florida, uh, but oh man, I don't know. I'm just beat up. I'm beat up because my my Wolverines lost last night. Walton had that open shot at yep. the end of the game. Could have knocked it down. It was a wide open look. He had it. So. I'm beat up about that. I don't care about the Badgers. I want the Badgers to lose so you guys feel the pain I felt last night.
1: Wow. (laughs) Where's the Big Ten love? Where is the Big Ten love?
2: Obviously no love there. Uh, Ken, you've got thoughts on the NBA versus the NCAA here.
1: I have this argument with my high school buddies all the time, and I always, always, always stress the NBA. NBA is better than NCAA basketball, and here's why. Oregon... Let's go through some Sweet 16 teams and their graduation rates. Oregon, 38%. University of North Carolina, pretty good academic institution, but certainly had their fair share of scandals. They have a 50% graduation rate. UCLA is at 50%. And those percentages don't even seem to account for the one-and-done players. I mean, I I still can't get out of my head the UNLV days with Jerry Tarkanian and his squad of mercenaries, not students. Nolan Richardson was head coach of the Arizona uh, Arkansas Razorbacks for a long time, he had a 0% graduation rate at one point. And when the school fired him, he actually sued them as if it's okay to have a 0% graduation rate. Duke has become a revolving door of one and dones. We were just talking about Ingram. And don't even get me started on the quote-unquote University of Kentucky. Holier-than-thou Baylor has more scandals than we can even fit in this podcast. Look, I readily admit, I'm a total hypocrite in some ways in this, because when Northwestern, after 78 years of futility, finally made it to the NCAA tournament for the first time ever, I was in. I couldn't help getting sucked in. But I am proud of at least Northwestern's academic standing. To me, if the NCAA really cares about grades and that these guys are student athletes, not just athletes, I have a simple solution. I The NCAA... should legally enforce through their copyrights that every published bracket for every school shows both the seed number and the graduation rate. Come up, you know, show front and center which schools are really schools and which are just factories. And I would love to see the public uh, opinion once all those graduation rates are known. And that is my angry rant of the day.
2: I love it, Ken. You're just like California, where if you go out to eat in California, I believe every menu has to have the the caloric count next to it, and it ruins all the fun right. because you don't want to order anything. <laughs> so you basically, you want to put the caloric, the graduation rate, aka the caloric count, on the yes. uh, the school. I like it. It's an innovative way. I, I thought you were going to go one way, but you took it another way. It's innovative. I've never heard anybody well, say that.
1: Let each school decide what kind of pride they do or don't have in that. But let's make it public and stop this charade of uh, student athletes.
3: I, I'm just surprised that the old man take was actually like a young man take. Yeah. Like most, Oh, it's old men who are always like, oh, college basketball's the best. Oh, less ISO. They actually pass the ball. You can't travel, <laughs> all that stuff. It, it, the purity of the game. You went the other route. You're actually defending the NBA, so I, I I agree with you, Ken. The NBA is the better product. So so, good job in getting that one right.
1: Thank you, thank you. You know, I, I uh, too many guys my age think it's think the NCAA is like Hoosiers. <laughs> <You> know, <it's laughs> not the
2: case. Um, all right, guys, let's transition here before we talk about our specific Friday Fanduel picks and talk more broadly about our DFS strategy uh, now moving forward to the end of the season. Um, you know, when I'm composing my lineup now and over the last week or two, I'm noticing that my lineups are, you know, they're just structured differently. Ken, you've watched everything, every video I've had since my Rotowire career began. Awesome. And you know that I always say, spread out the money. I want value at each position. I want every single player you know, to get up there and, and have at least 30 fantasy points. But now what I'm doing, more often than not, is I'm having a stars and scrubs approach to all my lines because there's so much value to be had out there when you have teams like the Los Angeles Lakers and the Phoenix Suns where they're playing these young guys who have been sitting at the bottom $3,500 price level almost the whole season All of a sudden they come into 36 minutes a night and then you can afford to go with Harden and Westbrook and then fill out your lineup with uh, the rest of these young guys who are seeing tons of minutes. So, Shannon, have you noticed this change too? I know you you don't quite spread out the money over the course of the season like I do necessarily, but are you really leaning into a stars and scrubs approach since there's so much value to be had at the end of the year?
3: I, I certainly am, and even tonight. I mean, that was one of the things I was going to note when we got to the Fanduel section. Is I have I have James Harden in my lineup tonight, and it's been rare the last couple months. I haven't been plugging in James Harden or, or Westbrook that often into my lineups, so or some of those other ten, eleven thousand dollar players. have been spreading the wealth more, mm-hmm. but now you can actually plug in Harden and plug in. Two or three, you know, $7,000, seven thousand, seventy-five hundred dollar players with them because there are enough values in other spots. It's just everyone's rotation opens up some. You've got guys who get who who gets uh, shut down for the rest of the season. Uh, teams are resting players because they're tanking, or maybe their playoff seating secure that they don't they they have that flexibility. So there's just. You have a lot of younger players. Like, I mean, the Suns, for instance. I mean, last night, even TJ Warren, T- Eric Bledsoe's already out. TJ Warren sat last night. So it's it's it was Devin Booker, uh, Alex Len, Marquise Chris, uh, Ulyss. It was their show. And it was those four guys who are all going to play. 35-plus minutes and put up monster stats, and they're all affordable on FanDuel. So, yeah, certainly my, my, my strategy does change this late in the season. I, I pay attention. I pay more attention to the news because there's more changing at this time of year, and there's more values to be had.
2: One other thing, you know, I kind of alluded to this earlier on in the pod is you need to look at the teams that actually have a stake left in the playoffs and have something to play for. And I'll say this season is pretty unusual compared to last season's where you look at the Eastern Conference and I'll say that seeds one through 11. So the cutoff there is the Hornets to the Knicks. So Knicks 76ers, Magic and Nets are the teams that don't necessarily have it. But you look Hornets on up. I mean, these seeds could turn out any number of ways, and I know the Cavaliers have already been resting players, but they only have a two-game lead on the Celtics. Um, so it's it's not a foregone conclusion that they're going to lock up that one seed. So I do think it's rare where we can almost expect and assume that those Eastern Conference teams are going to de- be deploying their first-team squads as much as possible uh, because you lose two games and you drop three spots in the rankings. That's, that's pretty incredible. In the Western Conference, of course, we mentioned that the Nuggets, Trailblazers, and even the Mavericks – Uh, They're really going to be pushing hard at the end of the season. And then we've got the Grizzlies, Thunder, Clippers, Jazz, all fighting for that four through seven seed. So I I, I do think it's a rare year where um, most of the teams left in the field of competition still have something to play for. You know, you look back last year, the year before that, and it really, you know, the last two weeks of the season, there were only uh, four or five teams that had something to play for. Not quite the case this year, but still something to pay attention to.
3: Well, even a team like the Rockets, which they're pretty much locked into the three seed in the West. They, I mean, they're six games behind San Antonio. They have a five and a half game cushion over Utah, so they're they're locked in. They're going to be the three seed. That's that's already decided. But you've got James Harden out there. He's competing and playing for MVP. He's trying to get that award over Russell Westbrook. I mean, over the past two weeks, Harden's averaged a triple-double himself. He's really picked up his production. And I wouldn't be surprised if if the Rockets don't sit him because they want him to go out there and win the MVP. I don't know. It would be interesting. I mean, like you said, there's still a lot of jockeying, not just in the standings, but individual players who might be playing for something like Harden with the MVP.
2: Last thing I'll say, too, um, again, you know, it seems like a lot of teams are going to have to play that 80, 81st and 82nd game out. Uh, but in years past, I will say that the last three games of the season, it's hard to compose a lineup and use all of your money up. Um, so that's just something to be aware of, that sometimes when when those seeds are set and there truly are only two or four teams playing, that those last couple nights of regular season DFS are, are super peculiar. Um, so if this is your first year diving in, get ready for those last few games could be very strange where you're actually struggling to pay, uh, you know, use up the whole salary cap. I, now now more
1: than ever, you've got to use the daily lineup yeah. section on Rotowire that's showing who is playing, who's not playing, because there's some crazy stuff going on.
3: Company man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, with that, gentlemen, should we dive into the fabulous uh, DFS recommendations you've got?
2: Let's do it. Shannon, kick us off here.
3: Sure. I'd already mentioned the sun, so I'm just going to reiterate that point. Uh, Ulyss, Booker, Chris, and Len. Uh, TJ Warren, if he plays, but he's questionable for tonight. Um, I don't like Booker against against the Celtics. I think that's a tough matchup. But us Chris, and Len are all solid plays going tonight.
1: I'll even let me in. just read the. Let me just read the list of injuries for Phoenix because it's so lengthy. Uh, Tyson Chandler out. Eric Bledsoe out. Brandon Knight out. Dragon Bender out. Ronnie Price game time decision. T.J. Warren game time decision. Derek Jones game time decision.
2: And that's, They're dressing and that's,
1: like two players.
2: And that's what I'm alluding to during the last couple of weeks of the season. Almost every single team is going to have an injury report like that. So Phoenix is kind of alluding to what the last few days of regular season DFS is like. Um, I'll, I'll even toss in, you know, if, if you're really looking uh, for more options for the Suns, Allen Williams, he went out there and had a pretty good game last time out against Boston. I think he gave you about 33 fantasy points so if you're looking to invest completely and solely into the Suns I like him in the front court I think all three uh, th- three of their front court options could see lots of minutes tonight and Then, all right, uh, all
1: right. fast. Uh, Shannon why don't you go next to uh, your point guard suggestions yeah there's
3: three mainstays these are guys I've been using a lot this year but I love their matchups and their price points this tonight um, Kemba Walker, Ricky Rubio, and Jeff Teague. You know, with Teague, he's at 6,800, which he hasn't dropped below 7,000 very often. And he's playing Denver, which one of the better matchups uh, for for a you know posing backcourts. Jeff Teague, Denver, great play with under 7,000 dollars price point. Ricky Rubio, he's playing the Lakers. I mean, Lakers, it's been like four or five years running now where you target players against the Lakers. He's 7,400. He's been playing out of his mind since the All Star break. I look for that to continue tonight. Uh, And then lastly, Kemba Walker. Walker, he actually has been down a little bit lately, uh, but that has caused his price to drop. He's at 7,700, and he's got a cushy matchup against Cleveland tonight. I look for Walker to return to that 40 point production tonight against Cleveland and Kyrie Irving's weak ass defense.
1: Picking on uh, Irving uh, is a nice way to go, is a nice way to go. All right, and then DJ... You don't. You don't. You're looking more at four positions for guys you want to plug. Who do you like tonight?
2: Oh, I got a double revenge game here, guys. We got Trevor <laughs> Booker, uh, who is now with the Nets. He's going up against his former team, the Washington Wizards. Spent the first uh, was it three and a half years with the Wizards. Mm-hmm. They chose not to bring him back. He has given you at least thirty fantasy points in each of his three matchups against the Wizards this season. So for somebody who is only, let me look up his price really quick. He's been you know pretty low. Uh, so far this season for $4,800 $4, is going to get you to that 30, 30 point uh, benchmark, uh, he's already done it three times this season, why wouldn't he do it in the fourth and final game against the Wizards, love that pick the other guy in that game is Bojan Bogdanovic uh, you know He's coming off the bench. He's giving us sporadic production, but this is his first game, I believe, against his former team, the Nets. He's now with the Wizards. And let's be honest, this game could be a blowout. Washington is playing very well. Bogdanovich might see a lot of minutes. And running the second team, they might just think it's fun for him to fill it up against his former team. So I like him quite a bit. You know I love the revenge game, and there's, you know, there's statistics to prove it behind here. Thirty-eight hundred. Yeah, I mean, come on. Locked if he on. gets you, if he gets you to that thirty-point benchmark, which is completely possible, he's going to be more than worth his value.
1: All right, and let's see, uh, Shannon, you're, you're you're putting all your money on the beard.
3: Yeah, you know, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I've got James Harden's in my lineup. He's on a hell of a run right now. Finley agrees with me. Uh, you got to go with Harden. He he had a couple big games uh, against the Pelicans earlier this year. I don't yes, know. Yes, sir. I don't know if she. I, could. I, I don't know. I, if she, she might. Could. She might be arguing against it, but no. Or Harden she's is- just
1: dropping a deuce.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you? You, you can say that on a podcast, right? Sure. No, oh, yes. you
2: just Did I'm not bleeping it <laughs> out. No bond <bangos laughs> for that.
1: Well, and you've got a a forward that's actually cheaper than Booker. I have him in my lineup, too. Uh, Take us to Chicago, Shannon.
3: Give me Miritich.
2: Talk about dropping deuces.
3: I know. I mean, the thing is, he's wildly inconsistent. Uh, The past four games, he had a 37-point outing, uh, 8.8, 11.4, and then 44 points against Detroit earlier this week. You never really know what you're going to get. I mean, the the most recent game— he was aided by the fact that Robin Lopez was suspended right. um, due to that Ibaka scuffle. So, you know, is he going to get 39 minutes again, uh, again tonight? Probably not. But, but they're starting him. They're they're kind of giving him that that extra leash that he wasn't getting earlier in the season. So he could go out there, go 0 for five, and end up only playing 20 minutes, or he'll have a game like he did on Tuesday. It, you never know, but at forty six hundred with forty point upside, he's he's worth a risk to put into your tournament lineup.
2: And finishing right. finishing things out, Ken, I love your chalk pick at point guard.
1: Well, you know I've been doing this all year, which is take the point guard play in Brooklyn, and Jeremy Lin's still a little dinged up. really not uh, back at one hundred percent yet. Their their point guard defense has been miserable all year. So John Wall, you know, I really I've been trying to figure out how to do Wall and Harden, and I'm struggling with that. But Wall at 10000 against the worst punt card defense in the league seems like an easy chalk pick for me. Uh, and he's, that's 2500 less, I think, than they've got uh, uh, hard net. It's hard, what's Harden 20, at? Uh, 20, $12,500. Hard, tw- yeah,
3: 12,
1: 12, $12,500. So, yeah, 2500 cheaper. I think I'm going to go with Wall and get some nicer options elsewhere. Uh, And then I'm with Shannon. I think Alex Len is one of the healthy bodies on the Suns. You know, it's going to be hard going four on five against Boston. But he'll probably see the ball a lot as one of those four players. uh, And he's only at 4,800. So uh, that gives me money for elsewhere.
2: One thing I'll say about Wall's matchup tonight, you know, you might easily, like I said, you know, maybe that game will be a blowout. Uh, Wall is averaging, let's see, 37, just under 37 minutes per game. And you're, you're thinking, oh, there's no way he's going to see that total. But guess what? If Wall is only on the court for 28 minutes, I feel pretty confident that he could give us 50 fantasy points in 28 minutes against Brooklyn. So while there is a blowout potential, I mean, his competition is so bad that he can just rack up more stats in less time. So I'm really not terribly worried for a blowout game because I think he can fill up uh, fill it up uh, in, in limited minutes still.
1: All right. Thank you, DJ. Thank you. Are right, Any other... Uh any other DFS advice? DFS advice? You guys want to throw in there?
2: Who is Finley's pick? We didn't hear her pick.
1: Oh. Mm. That is uh, Finley's Banana gonna go. Jones.
3: Finley is <laughs> gonna go with our with Chris Middleton. She's staying local here in the okay. Wisconsin area. She's gonna uh, go with Chris Middleton at small forward. Uh, Middleton's been great since he's got back, and and now he's playing a full full amount of minutes. Um, he's still only priced at 6,500, and, and he has 40 point upside. So I'm going with Middleton or Finley. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm amazed.
1: I'm amazed that Finley <laughs> could get the words "Chris Middleton" out while puking up her bananas. That is impressive. Yeah, impressive. She's too. got skills. She's got. He's skills. a rotowire future. She has a rotowire future. All right, gentlemen. Well, is it time? For, well. It's time. Which names did I butcher today?
2: Ken, I was following along, uh, like I like I haven't done in past pods. I don't think you butchered any names this time around. I think you're golden.
1: Wow, really? I stumbled a little on Jerry Tarkanian. Okay, more just sheer length of the name. That,
2: Uh, That one's that's a given though. That's that's all right.
1: And I think I screwed up a little on Hassam Whiteside's first name. I think I just skipped it because I blanked like an idiot. I just said Whiteside. Well, but, uh,
2: you have to mispronounce one game all pod. So who's your favorite power forward to, for the Minnesota Timberwolves?
1: <laughs> Jorgy Yang. There we go. Ah,
2: you got, All right, you're getting better at it.
1: I like it. <laughs> get we getting closer? <laughs> get I like closer. your pick of Bayon Bogdanovich. Yeah, I, I think I had more
2: Bogdano. mispronunciations this time around than you yeah, did. Yeah. All right, Ken, get us out of here.
1: All right. Well, today's quote is in honor of Chicago Bulls architect, the man who designed those dynasty teams of the 90s, yet seems to get zero credit, uh, passed away this week. Jerry Krause, may he rest in peace. And our quote from Jerry is, when you do something all your life, you have a zest for it. With me, scouting is a zest. Scouting is fun for me. I enjoy it. I hope all the listeners of this podcast find their zest and enjoy it as much as possible. Attention passengers, this three car fantasy train has hit the end of the line.